Hey everyone, uh, this is a special bonus episode of uh, Spiritual Life and Leadership. Uh, in light of everything that happened this week um, with uh, you know the, the attack on uh, the United States Capitol building and just kind of the fallout from all of that, uh, I've just had some thoughts and some things, and I want to honestly take, take some time uh, to pray for Donald Trump. Um, and I'll, I'll explain, you know, kind of all my thoughts around that. And then we'll take a few moments at the end of the podcast just to pray for Donald Trump. Uh, and so uh, thanks for being here for this. Uh, I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 91 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Well, this has been a crazy, crazy week. Uh, Like all of you, uh, I could not believe what I was seeing this past Wednesday, uh, January 6th, 2021, um, as I I watched what was happening in in Washington, D.C. I'll give you a little inside look into kind of how my morning had gone. I had watched the opening arguments in Congress where they were, you know, debating um, certifying the electoral college vote. And so I saw, you know, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. And then I think uh, after that was Ted Cruz. Anyway, at about 11 o'clock, I had to stop watching because I had a a meeting online, Zoom, like many of us. (laughs) And then about 45 minutes later, my son texted me. Uh, He's in high school and he was doing online school at his grandma's house who lives kind of down the street from us. And he texted me and he said, are you watching this? And I replied, watching what? And he said, CNN, you got to turn it on right now. Trump protesters breached the Capitol building and all the senators are hiding in their offices. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so, of course, I, you know, you're on a Zoom call. So I looked to the side and turned on my phone to kind of see what was going on. And of course, as soon as uh, everyone kind of got a sense of what was going on, we ended the meeting pretty soon so that we could all kind of watch the news and, and follow what was happening. Well, what I saw as I watched the news that day, was just unbelievable, right? Uh, You saw it too. Thousands of people surrounding the Capitol building, hundreds, maybe a thousand, I don't know how many, but inside the Capitol building, uh, threatening, uh, threatening those who are doing the work of the government. Uh, I imagine that this will probably be one of those days that all of us are going to remember, kind of like we remember September 11th, 2001, right? We all remember where we were when we first heard about the attack on the World Trade Center or where we first saw those images. Uh, I wasn't born yet when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, by, uh, but I understand that that also was one of those moments that everyone who was alive at the time remembers where they were when they heard that he had been killed. Uh, I think that all of us are going to remember where we were when we first saw the images of all of those rioters breaking into the Capitol building, right? The heart of the United States government. And I think we're going to remember how we were feeling, too. Uh, I was feeling shocked, right? I just could not believe it. Uh, I was angry, right? I, I was feeling confused. How could something like this happen? And I was feeling scared, Um you know, what, what did this mean for America's future? Uh, I, I didn't necessarily think that this insurrection wouldn't be put down, but, but what would happen next? It was a fear of the unknown. And I'll be honest, you know, another feeling that I had was that I felt somewhat validated. And this may or may not be a good thing, <laughs> but I also had a little bit of a feeling of, yeah, I told you so, right? 
It's like I wasn't totally surprised that this is where the Trump presidency took us. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you here. I did not vote for Trump. In fact, from the moment he announced his candidacy, I knew that he was not someone that I could vote for. Why? Because in that opening announcement, he immediately established an us versus them mentality. He immediately made Mexicans the enemy. Right Here are his exact words. This is a quote. He said, when Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. Uh, they're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. It's a total us-versus-them mentality. And an us-versus-them mentality never makes the world a better, healthier, or safer place. An us-versus-them mentality taken to its extreme always leads to violence. It leads to what we saw this week. Now, there are other reasons I couldn't vote for Trump. Uh, His boasting about sexually assaulting women. We saw the Hollywood Access tape. Here's another quote. You've all heard it. He said, and when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the fill in the blank. You can do anything. And then, of course, uh, another thing that really bothered me was what he said about John McCain. He called him a loser for having been a prisoner of war. Here's another quote. He's not a war hero. He was a war hero because he was captured. I like people who weren't captured. Right? So dismissive of another person's pain and suffering, right? I just couldn't vote for someone like that. I couldn't vote for Trump because he lacked kindness, because he lacked civility, because he lacked respect for others, right? Especially those who disagreed with him. Uh, I couldn't vote for Trump because he lacked compassion, because he lacked integrity. I couldn't vote for Trump because a leader like that can't be good for a nation, any nation, right? A leader like that will always stoke division and enmity. And because of that, a leader like that will always weaken a nation's integrity, right? Weaken its fabric. A leader like that will not strengthen a nation. That's what we saw this week, right? What we saw this week was the result of leadership that lacks integrity, We saw the result of leadership that lacks civility. We saw the result of leadership that lacks honesty. And now, today, it's been several days since the tragic and horrific events of January 6, 2021. Uh, I've had some time to process things, and and some other things have happened since then. Uh, The U.S. Congress certified the election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, Donald Trump sort of (laughs) conceded the election by saying that there will be an orderly transition, of course, while still claiming that the election was rigged. Uh, And then uh, just the last couple days, most social media channels banned him from their platforms for life. And I think that this last one, I mean, it's all a big deal for Donald Trump, but this last one is really a big deal for Donald Trump. Right. Twitter especially was how Donald Trump made his will known. Right, It's how he governed. It's how he got things done. Twitter was his bully pulpit, and now it's gone. Right Now, I'm not going to comment on whether it's right or wrong for Twitter to remove him from their platform. I know that there are different thoughts on that. 
Uh, I do think, you know what, Twitter is a private company and it's their microphone, right? And they don't have to share their microphone. <laughs> I was thinking about, I'm a pastor, I was thinking about it this way. If someone came into my church and I gave them the microphone to say some things and then they started saying some really inflammatory things, I would go and I would take the microphone away from them. <laughs> and then I would probably not let them have it again, right? Um, and, you know, that's what they did. They took the microphone away from him. Uh, anyway, whether you agree with that or, or not, what I really want to think about is Donald Trump in this moment, right? What is going on inside inside Donald Trump, his heart and his spirit at this moment? So let me, let me shift gears for a moment. Um, so because of what happened this week, I have had way too much news, <laughs> right? I've been watching the news nonstop, reading articles online almost nonstop, uh, and so last night I went for a walk and I was listening again to some news podcasts that, you know what, really weren't saying anything that I hadn't already heard like a hundred times already this week. And so after about 45 minutes or so, I just kind of felt done. I was like, ugh, I need, I need something different. And so I switched over to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Pray As You Go. And uh, if you don't know Pray As You Go, I really want to commend it to you. It's a daily 10 to 12-minute contemplative devotional that focus on, focuses on a different scripture each day. Uh, and there's also an app, and uh, it just makes it really easy. And uh, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. But it's it's just so, so beautiful. So now the passage that uh, they were focusing on in, in this episode was the feeding of the 5,000 in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and, um, you know, since I'm a pastor, I, I got to thinking about uh, my job and how my job, in some ways, my work, my calling is is to feed people. Um, you, you know the story. Um, you know, the people get hungry. The disciples say to Jesus, send them away so they can get food. And Jesus says to the, his disciples, you feed them. And they say, with what? And Jesus says, well, what do you have? I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, of course. <laughs> but they say, well, we got five loaves and two fish. But that's for 5,000 people. It'll never feed that many. And Jesus says, you know what? I can work with that. Um, again, paraphrasing. Uh, you know, and I, I thought about how often I feel like I have so little to offer. And Jesus says, you know what, Marcus, you got plenty. Five loaves, two fish, I can work with that. I can multiply it. And you can, you can feed those that you've been called to feed. And of course, by feed, that means, yes, feed them with God's word, but also feed them with love and kindness and acceptance and compassion. Right, people are hungry, uh, and I'm called to feed them, and and so are you. I, in a in a way, we're all called to feed those around us because people are hungry for love. People are hungry for acceptance. People are hungry for compassion. And so, after the um, this episode of of Praise You Go came to an end, uh, after. It had come to a close. I kept on walking, but I couldn't go back to another podcast um, in that moment. I couldn't go to another, you know, an audiobook or, or anything like that. I just had to walk silently. And so I did, and, and my mind turned back to Donald Trump. Uh, only this time, I wasn't thinking about all of the bad things that he had done and said. I thought about him in that moment. As I was walking around my neighborhood, where was Donald Trump right now? Now, what was he doing right at that moment? What was he feeling? What was he feeling right now? And that's, that's when my heart kind of changed. Uh, I started to feel deep compassion for Donald Trump. 
and I started to pray for him. Now, I had prayed for him in the past. In some ways, it was, a, a <laughs> oh, Lord, please save us from Donald Trump, or Lord, please help him to not do anything, you know, terrible today, or, you know, those kinds of things. But I just started praying for him and for his spirit. Now, I'm not qualified to psychoanalyze Donald Trump, but let me tell you uh, what I think is probably true of him. Uh, I think that Donald Trump does not know what love is. I don't think he knows what it is to truly give love or receive love. Right? We know that Donald Trump views the world transactionally. If I give you this, then I get that from you, and hopefully I get more from you than I gave to you. Right? But that's not love. Love is not a transaction. Love is a gift freely given with no conditions. And I don't think that Donald Trump has ever, ever been given that kind of love. And so I don't think he even has a concept of, of, of real love. He has no idea how to give that kind of love. I don't even know if he thinks such a thing even exists. I think that he probably grew up feeling like he was never quite good enough or that he had to prove that he was good enough. Uh, Again, I I don't know for sure, and I haven't read his niece's book or or anything like that, but I think that he probably had to demonstrate to his father and perhaps his mother and others in his family that he deserved acceptance, right? That he deserved the name of Trump, right? That he deserved to be considered worthy of being a part of the family, right? And so his whole life has revolved around proving to everyone how great he is. Why? so that he will be accepted, so that people will like him, right? How often have we heard him say something like, well, you know, I do this or that for that particular group, but they don't like me. Why don't they like me? I think his entire life revolves around wanting so desperately to be loved and never really feeling loved because he's pursuing it in a way that doesn't really lead to love, in a way that doesn't satisfy what he's longing for. And that's why I think Donald Trump can never admit failure or defeat, because if he fails, if he loses, then that means he isn't worthy of love and acceptance. And so I thought, I thought about Donald Trump last night, right? What what was he feeling at that moment, the evening of January 8, 2021? And I think, of course, that he was feeling incredibly angry, right? That's that's uh, we can all agree on that <laughs> right he was fuming he was steaming i think that he was probably feeling betrayed uh many of those who had been loyal to him and who were supposed to be loyal had turned their backs on him had not come through for him mike pence didn't do what he wanted him to do which of course mike pence couldn't do anyway many other republicans uh didn't object to the electoral college uh in the way that he had wanted them to I think that Donald Trump was feeling powerless with with these social media companies permanently removing him from their platforms. It like it, it's like he had been virtually emasculated, right? He had been rendered impotent because he no longer was able to exert his will. They had taken his voice away. Now, of course, he's the president of the United States and he can go on TV anytime he wants to, right? But but they had taken away this this platform where he could say just anything he wanted to in the moment and get people worked up. And anyway, he had lost his power. He was feeling powerless. And because of all of this, uh, and because of the failure that his presidency has proven to be during these final weeks of his term, I think he feels humiliated. 
And I think he's feeling deep, deep shame in this moment. I think he feels like he is unworthy of love and acceptance. And he's, he's trying to figure out, how am I going to get people to love me if I don't have a voice anymore? If I failed, if I'm humiliated, how am I going to get people to love me? And as I thought about this, I just began to feel so sad for Donald Trump. How, how utterly tragic. Right? Because the truth is, as much as we may or may not agree with Donald Trump's style or policies or character qualities, right? Donald Trump is wholly and completely loved and accepted by his creator. Donald Trump is a beloved child of God. Now, he is certainly a sinner and he is responsible for the things that he has done and said. But that doesn't change the fact that he is totally loved by God. I I love the line from David Benner's book, Surrender to Love, where he says, regardless of what you have come to believe about God based on your life experience, the truth is that when God thinks of you, love swells in his heart and a smile comes to his face. That statement is true of you, it's true of me, and it's true of Donald Trump. When God looks at Donald Trump, God says, oh, Oh, my sweet boy, I love you so much. Can you imagine if Donald Trump believed God felt that way about him? Knowing the unconditional, infinite love of God would absolutely change him. Because knowing that kind of love and and believing it is transformative. It's especially transformative when we experience failure, when we feel betrayed, when we feel humiliated, when we feel rejected. I want Donald Trump to know that he is loved and accepted, that he doesn't have to prove himself to God or to any of us. He doesn't have to make himself good enough to get other people's acceptance. I want him to know that because it would be so healing for him. And I also want him to know it because it would change him. Because knowing that is so transformative. Right? See, when we experience deeply the total acceptance and love of God, it changes us. If Donald Trump were to surrender, truly surrender to God's love and acceptance, if he began to believe that he didn't have to do anything to earn God's love, if he began to believe that he was worthy of love, not because he was rich or powerful or dominating or whatever, but simply because he is God's beloved child created in the image of God, can you imagine how that would change the way he related to others? Can you imagine how transformative that would be for him in every aspect of his life? Uh, I I think of the phrase, uh, the the statement that Henry Nouwen made in his book, uh, Life of the Beloved. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he, he said something like, when we discover ourselves to be God's beloved, we just want everyone else to know that they too are God's beloved. Right? If Donald Trump were to, to really discover that he was God's beloved, he would want everyone else to know that they too <laughs> were God's beloved. If Donald Trump believed that Mexicans too, and all immigrants, legal and illegal, were God's beloved, do you think he would still go around saying that they're mostly all rapists? Of course not. 
Right? How would Donald Trump talk about Muslims if he believed that he was God's beloved and he wanted all Muslims, too, to know that they were God's beloved? How would he talk about Democrats or anyone who disagrees with him? And how would he talk to his supporters? Right? It would change everything if he knew that he was God's beloved. But he doesn't know that, I don't think. And, uh, and so he's in pain right now. And of course, yes, he brought this on himself. I, I don't doubt that for a moment. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for him and pray for him with compassion. And so I want to take a moment and I just want to pray for Donald Trump. And I, I invite you to join me in praying for Donald Trump just right now. Lord Jesus, um, well, we lift up Donald Trump to you. Um, Donald Trump uh, is a broken man. Uh, he is a, a sinful man, uh, just like we all are. Um, now, he has different faults and different sins, and, and maybe they are uh, exaggerated in some ways. Um, and uh, because of power, Lord, um, sins can be taken to a higher level. Uh, we acknowledge that. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that you love him uh, and that you accept him because he has been created in the image of God. Uh, Lord, uh, I imagine Donald Trump is feeling uh, humiliated, angry, scared, um, feels like maybe he has no future, he feels silenced, Um and I just acknowledge that if I were feeling those things too, it would be a terrible thing. Uh, so, Lord, we pray that you would be just be with Donald Trump right now. We pray that you would heal him. Uh, we pray that you would send someone, if, if necessary, or, or however you want to do that, Lord, uh, just someone to help him know how loved he is. Um. Lord, when we go through hard things, it's so easy to get bitter and angry and cynical. And, you know, I kind of expect that that's what will happen. But I hope not. And I pray not. We pray that Donald Trump will, will open himself up to your love and experience the transformative power of your love and, and maybe even come through this a healthier person. Be with him, Lord. Um. Comfort him, transform him, Lord. Uh, and Lord, we also pray for uh, the United States. Um, so much division, so much division right now. So much anger, so much fear. Um, please bring bring your healing to this country. Um, I, you know, I know that the problems that we have in the United States are perhaps minuscule compared to the kinds of problems we see in other parts of the world. And so I just want to lift up all those countries, everyone who's listening to this right now, wherever they are, whatever challenges, uh, crises, problems that their their countries are, are facing, Lord, um, bring your healing, bring your wholeness, bring your restoration. Lord, we pray for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as well as they uh, step into the position of uh, the presidency and vice presidency. And we pray that you would give them wisdom. We pray that you would help them to lead in a way that brings healing uh, to this country and to the world. 
We thank you that you are the healer, you are the restorer, you are the one who loves unconditionally all of us, including Donald Trump, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this has been a difficult time for America, uh, and I hope that you'll continue to join me in praying uh, not only for Donald Trump, but uh, but everyone who, who is in need of prayer, even people like uh, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, who you know, may have um, shot themselves in the foot, so to speak, uh, in terms of their political career. I don't know. Time will tell. We'll see. Uh, but we also need to pray for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, they, too, are loved unconditionally by God. I don't know if they know it. Maybe they know it. Maybe they don't. Uh, but let's pray that they, too, would embrace their belovedness and that the love of God would flow through them to all of those that they work with and all of those that they lead. Well, thanks so much for joining me in this uh, special episode today. Uh, And thank you for joining me in this work that we're doing with this podcast. Uh, I'm grateful for all of you, and I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. Mm